Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Ladies, it's the last night of our Acts Bible study. I um, Some of you that have been walking through the spiritual warfare of it are kind of like, yes, thank you, Lord. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right? And, and I feel really bad about even calling it Acts because truly, two chapters. And we talked about that last week. But I, I know that the Lord had us do this together because he's wanting to whet the appetite of some of you. Some of you um, didn't even know that the Holy Spirit existed you didn't know that there's power available to you and for you and that, and that he desires for you to utilize it in this assignment that he has for you. And so some of this is, all of it is just an intro. So I really should change the whole branding to intro to acts, right? And tonight is no different. And in fact, I, I really... I really asked the Lord, I wanted to get into some of the outward exhibitions of the power that that was displayed in Acts, even in the third chapter, looking at the healings that took place. Man, I was craving that. And the Lord kept saying, no, that's not what I have for tonight. That's not at all. And so when I'm when I finally relented and, <laughs> and obeyed, he brought me back to the idea and the understanding that Acts is an entire book that really shows us not only the power of the Holy Spirit falling and coming to life truly in the lives of the early church, but also what the early church and really what all church is supposed to look like, right? And, and not only that, but how the church is supposed to operate, why the church exists, because some of us think that church exists so that we can find that Christian guy to marry. Oh. And sure, it can totally be that. Some of us think it exists so that we can have friends that only believe what we believe. I can promise you that's not why that exists. (laughs) But really this idea that God has chosen to bring his kingdom here to earth through us. Like, isn't that bizarre? That is bizarre for me because I know me. You don't know me that well. But that's really bizarre for me. Like, Lord, you want to change the whole world through us? Okay, Lord, uh, this is going to be exciting. But I, I think we need to start with this idea because we throw around terms like the kingdom of God, okay? And for some of us, we get pictures in our heads of like the movie 300 or something, you know? And, and really, we need to unpack just the simplicity of that. And if you have your notes sheet, this is going to be your first blank. The kingdom of God really is God's people. 
his plans and his promises. And that's Pastor Ashley's definition, okay? There's a million other amazing definitions that are probably a lot smarter. But for me, for simplicity purposes, because I like when the cookies are on the bottom shelf so we can all get them. I love thinking, anytime in scripture you hear God wanting to bring his kingdom come, that means that he wants to operate in his people, through his people, to bring more people into his plans and his purposes. Why? To bring more of heaven to earth here and now. And that's exactly what we were just singing about. Not waiting for eternity. The here and the now. And that is exciting to me because Acts is all about that. But I got to tell you that tonight's, tonight's reading, tonight's text is a little bizarre. And here's how I was thinking about it. And here's how I was arguing with the Lord about it. Do any of you have that friend that when she or he is telling a story they're kind of all over the place. You know what I'm talking about? So they start talking about being in the grocery store and then they mention having their skis on and you're thinking, wait, you had your skis on in the grocery store? And she's like, no, 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 this is a different time. You're like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, what? That's kind of how I feel about the text tonight. Because... If we look together at Acts 1, I know we went backwards, not forwards. I know. Take it up with the Lord. If we go back to Acts 1, we see in the very beginning of Acts 1, you have Jesus giving his instructions, giving the promise of the Holy Spirit and his power, and then ascending into heaven, right? And then before we get to the actual power of the Holy Spirit falling on the people, we have this weird interlude there that feels like it's this administrative housekeeping type thing that honestly, most of us, and I did it the first few weeks, we just skip over it and kind of pretend it's not there, right? Because you don't really want to preach about that part, it's not super sexy, right? It it doesn't make a, and you're having to unpack stuff. Well, the Lord brought me back to that place today to share with you guys a little bit of clarity about this section of scripture that we're gonna find in Acts 1, starting in verse 15. But I want you to understand that So Jesus has given the instructions, the promise, and then he's ascended into heaven. And then they're all deciding together to wait, pray and wait on the power that Jesus has promised. But what happens is the Lord prompts some of those individuals about a little bit of stuff that needs to be taken care of before he sends his spirit in power. And tonight I wanna unpack a little bit of what I believe is why the Lord put that section in between 
Jesus's last words before he ascended into heaven and the day of Pentecost. Those are two big events, right? And we're gonna look at the section in between. Look with me, Acts 1, starting in verse 15. So the disciples have left and they're in the upper room. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And scripture says, in those days, what days? The days that they're waiting. They're waiting together in a room, praying, going, okay, when's this gonna happen? Exactly like you said, Lord. In those days, Peter, Peter stood up among the believers. It was a group numbering about 120 and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas. Judas is the one who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. We're gonna get to that in a second. So he's talking about Judas and the fact that prophecy was fulfilled There's prophetic words all throughout scripture that talk about it, specifically in the Psalms that David wrote concerning Judas, what he was gonna do, what's gonna happen to him. And now Peter's saying, now we gotta take care of business because Judas is gone. Verse 17, he was one of our number and shared in our ministry. Some of you know what it's like to do ministry together and have someone walk away. Verse 18, with the payment he received, and this is just details that are given to us for our information. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. All he's describing there is how Judas killed himself. Verse 19, everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, now here's where Peter gets to the housekeeping stuff. So he talked about Judas, the fact that Judas was with them in ministry. He betrayed Jesus, bought a field, killed himself. And now he's saying, we got to replace him because there's supposed to be 12 of us leading this deal. So what do we do about that? Verse 21, therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. If you have pins, underline that in scripture. We're gonna get back to that. It's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time, that's part of the qualifications, while the Lord Jesus was living among us. Beginning from John's baptism of Jesus to the time when Jesus was taken up for us. So they're looking for someone to fill Judas's place that has been there from the very beginning to right now. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection, meaning leading this deal called the global church and the kingdom of God. I believe that in this bizarre account of administrative dictation from Peter, I believe that the Lord brought me 
to three stories that we're going to talk about tonight. Three stories that encapsulate so much of not only why the church is here, why God desires to change the world and bring more of heaven to earth, but also the how. And also the struggles that you and I, as we desire to walk in everything God has for us, some of the struggles that we are going to face, not might face, that we are going to face. And we're going to look at these three individuals that I believe are represented in this passage. And my prayer is that for the rest of your lives, when you encounter some of the situations that we're going to talk about, you will remember these three individuals. The very first one that we're going to unpack that will help us understand how to walk in the fullness of this power that God is giving us is remember Judas. Remember Judas. So in case you're not familiar with the story of Judas, it's found in the Gospels. And when I say the Gospels, I'm talking about the books of the Bible that are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you'll find all various parts of the accounts of Judas. And so Judas is one of Jesus's main dudes. In fact, he's one of the guys that Jesus chose to lead this entire charge, not only to be a disciple, but to be one of the 12 friends. Do you know that Jesus had more than 12 disciples? You need to know that because there were so many followers of Jesus. He had far more than 12 disciples, but there were 12 that he had in his inner circle that he was pouring into that were his leads. And I need for you to understand that Jesus chose Judas to be one of his main individuals, not only to be walking with him, to pour into him, to teach him, to befriend him, to trust him, every single part of it, also to represent him. He had a mission. He had a purpose for Judas. But just like you and just like me, when we start to walk into the purpose that God has for us, nothing angers the enemy of our souls more than that. And so what does he do? Well, the enemy knows our cravings. Not just our cravings, but our specific flavor. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He knows exactly what is the most tempting to you. And so he came to Judas. And you can read in scripture how the enemy begins to twist and turn and offer things to Judas in his head and there's this opportunity that's given to Judas. And scripture says that Jesus even warns Judas, brother, you're going to betray me. And Judas says, no, not me, not a chance. And then what happens is that this close friend, this best friend, maybe you've been betrayed by a best friend before. 
You know what that feels like. Maybe it was a child, someone that you were wanting to raise up and pour into and teach, and he or she walked away from you, and you know the pain of that. But in that moment, Judas, at the Last Supper, friends, Judas stands up in the middle of the Last Supper to go and betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Why? Because the enemy knew his flavor. He knew. And so when you understand that, that's where we pick up. In Scripture, he's bribed with 30 pieces of silver. So Judas takes the officials that were going to arrest Jesus. He takes them straight to Jesus because he knew Jesus well. He knew exactly where they'd be. And he bribes he actually betrays Jesus with a kiss. And in understanding that, here is Judas. He's been tempted by the enemy. He betrays Jesus. And then we pick up in Matthew 27, starting in verse 1. Scripture says, that early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans on how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Verse three, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, meaning that he actually would die, he was seized with remorse. Have you ever done anything that you truly regret? Have you ever been in a situation where the enemy knew your flavor, he knew exactly what to offer to you, and you believed the lie that, oh, it won't, oh, it won't go that far. It won't hurt anybody that much. And then you realize in that moment that the people that you love the most were going to be hurt the most. And Judas was seized with remorse. He felt sorry. Guys, he was grieving. He actually goes, Scripture says, and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. He said, I have sinned. Look at that, friends. He repented. I have sinned, he said. For I have betrayed innocent blood. He confesses. He's sorry for it. And how do they respond? These are the priests in the temple. Well, what is that to us? We don't care. We don't, you think we care that you're sorry? We got Jesus, we're good. What is that to us? That is your responsibility. Maybe if you have a pen, underline that in scripture your responsibility. Because in that moment, I believe that Judas now believed them more than anything Jesus had ever said to him. In that moment, he took that, not as Jesus ever being willing to forgive him, but the responsibility to fix this is now on me. So what did Judas do? He threw the money into the temple and left. But friends, look at what he does next. His next move, 
thinking that the responsibility to fix it was on himself, Judas goes and hangs himself, is what scripture says. He went away and hanged himself. What happens, friends, when you believe what the enemy will tell you, that it is your responsibility to fix it? That will always cause you to run from Jesus. And that's the next point. In your notes, Judas ran from Jesus. So when you look back at scripture and your mind goes to Judas in these moments, I want you to remember that Judas Judas ran from Jesus. The person that loved him more than anyone. And what I think is so hard for me sometimes is that, like, Judas actually got to walk with Jesus. He knew exactly his power, his love, every part of it. But then again, friends, we are all Judas. I said that to the circle leaders earlier. I said, you know, sometimes we we read scripture and we think, man, that Judas, he is so evil, right? And I'm like, no. No, I'm Judas. I am Judas. I've been there before, friends. I know the power of God. I know the love of Jesus. And yet there are times that in my actions or my words or my attitude, I completely betray everything Jesus has called me to. For what? For something cheap. Because I can promise you anything other than the love of the Father is cheap. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Because Judas, in believing that he was called to fix the problem, he makes a decision that my prayer is not one of you will ever make. Judas chooses a permanent solution for a temporary problem. And that's one of our mottos of the Wilkerson family. We talk about that all the time. Don't ever choose a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Ever. The idea that because Judas thought it was on him to fix it, he not only didn't run to Jesus, friends, he didn't run back to the community that he had been a part of for years. He went into isolation. Anybody here know a little about isolation? It's exactly what the enemy loves to do, friends. Because if he can isolate you, he can get you believing that it's all on you, that you are responsible for it. You have to fix it. You need to figure it out. Exactly what I was saying a second ago. Your your family's better off without you. Don't you know that's exactly what the enemy was saying in Judas's mind in that moment? There's a story that Jesus tells in Matthew 18 that speaks exactly to this. There's a shepherd. This shepherd has a hundred sheep. And there's one sheep that goes astray. I need you to stop and think about that for a second. It was the sheep's fault. It ain't because the shepherd wasn't good. 
all the 99 were still there. Friends, it's the sheep's fault. And yet, that shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Why? Because the one is who his heart craves. Because there's power in community. There is strength in numbers. There's strength in unity. And that shepherd understood that it was safe to leave the 99 in that moment to go after the one because the 99 had each other. And in the moment that the enemy was able to isolate Judas from the rest of the group, he had him. And I was saying that because friends, this is our last night here for a few months. And the enemy will desire nothing more than to isolate you in whatever you're walking through. And you are going to have to make a conscious choice to not allow the enemy to do that. You're gonna have to make a conscious choice to reach out to the sisters in your circle. You're gonna have to make a conscious choice to stay connected, why? Because if you don't, isolation always ends in destruction. Isolation where the enemy is able to feed his lies into you always leads to death. That's why Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. So friends, I wanna encourage you in these moments, make sure that you remember Judas because in these moments, you'll start to believe that maybe he didn't really choose you. Friends, he knew you would fail him when he chose you. He knew how you would fail him when he chose you. And yet he still chose you and he still chooses you. Remember Judas, the next point. The next story really that I wanna unpack to you briefly and it's the next blank on your sheet. It's remember Peter. Remember Peter. I find it really ironic in this moment that as we're reading in Acts chapter one, Peter's the one leading this charge. And I can't help but think about the fact that you know in Peter's head, he's unpacking, I did it too. He's talking about how Judas denied and betrayed Jesus. And my guess is in the back of Peter's head, he knows very well that he did the exact same thing. But friends, what I want to show you that is the distinct difference between Judas and Peter is that Peter ran to Jesus. Judas ran from Jesus into isolation and Peter, which is your next blank, Peter ran to Jesus, to him. And you know what, friends, not even just to Jesus. Peter, even in his confusion, even in his utter failure, he ran back to his community. He ran back to the other disciples. And here's the thing, friends, they didn't have it all figured out. 
but they figured it would be better to be confused together, right? Come on. They never thought Jesus was going to be crucified. Jesus was straight up telling them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. You're not getting it. Hello, anyone in there? Like, Jesus, you chose him. And so they're confused because they thought the kingdom of God was going to look like that 300 movie. And, and they're going, I don't understand. And so they're confused. But guess what? They bind together. And what we find that after Jesus has risen from the dead, even Jesus himself begins to appear to them. And they still don't recognize him. Read it. They're like, uh, is that a ghost? A little confused here. And here we're going to pick up in Scripture. In Matthew 26. This is the third time that Jesus will have appeared to them. And they're still not totally certain it's him. But they're together. And I want you to see what happens. Because Peter, in this moment... You need to understand, Peter has done exactly what Judas did. Peter's looked a little bit different, but not much, friends, because Jesus himself warned Peter. Hey, Peter, you're going to deny me. No. Not me. That Judas guy, not me. No, you. You're going to deny me. In fact, you're going to do it three times before you even hear a rooster crow. No. Jesus, never. I would never do that. Well, what happens? Life starts to look very different than Peter imagined. Have you ever been there? So you start questioning everything. Maybe I don't know who Jesus is. Maybe I didn't really believe. Because it doesn't look the way I thought it was going to look. So I, I thought it was going to look this, 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 and I don't have any of that. So maybe, maybe I don't know him. Maybe he's not who he said he was because my life doesn't look like I thought it would. We're Peter too, aren't we? We're Peter too. And you need to understand it got so bad that literally Jesus is being crucified and Peter's just trying to sort through it in his head. And you know what, friends? There's part of me that really believes that Judas and Peter both, even in their epic betrayal of Jesus, even in their failure, they were kind of being honest, right? Because Judas is thinking, I don't even know. I don't know if I want to be on his team anymore because he's talking all this weird stuff. And then you've got Peter who's going, I don't even know if I know him. And so a little girl comes up and she's like, oh, yo, you're that guy you're with. And he's like, no, no, no. Look, look with me. I'm not making it up. If you look in scripture, he literally, <laughs> he begins to curse them out. Okay? Friends, it's shocking. Someone who's like, y'all don't curse. You're like, no. Never. He tells the little girl, he says, no, that's not me. She's like, 
No, that's you. No, I totally saw that on your Instagram and your story and the whole thing. And he's like, no. And she's like, in fact, you kind of sound like him. Your accent totally gives you away. Read it. That's what she says. <laughs> and then he starts hurling curses at her. Blankety blank blank. Woo. Well then. Okay. And tells her again three times. Three servant girls, right? Three times. Telling the servant girl. And then he hears the rooster crow. And scripture says he, he's just overwhelmed with grief. Now, how similar, right? These stories. Jesus warned them. They betrayed. And then they're both filled with grief. Same story. Same story. But what does Peter do? He doesn't run into isolation in the middle of his failure. He runs into community. Straight into community where he knows that they're all walking through their own stuff. But they all know Jesus. And maybe if we can walk through our own stuff together, there's power in that. And so what happens is the third time that Jesus appears to them, and that's where we pick up in John 21. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And think about that. Because in that moment, what is Jesus saying? Simon, I'm here. I see you. All I want to know, not what you did, I want to know, do you still love me? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. What does Jesus respond with? Feed my lambs. I want to stop right there. Because I've taught on it a million times and I'll teach on it till the day I die. In fact, I've been asked to write a book on it, so we'll see. But in that moment, why is Jesus saying, feed my lambs? Because Jesus had already spoken over Peter what his assignment was. He'd already told him, Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build the entirety of the church. All the sheep of the world, man, you're going to be a leader of this church that I'm building. So Peter, if you still love me, your assignment has not changed, friend. I knew you were going to fail me. I told you you were going to fail me. And because you came back to me, your assignment hasn't changed Feed my lambs. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, no, no, wait, pay attention to that. Because he's saying, Lord, you know my heart. You know that I love you. Jesus, you know everything. Take care of my sheep. 
your assignment hasn't changed. Your purpose still remains. Verse 17, the third time he, at, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. And I believe that word really is grieved. Because in that moment, he knows that Jesus asked him three times. And I have to believe that Peter's remembering, right, the three times that he denied him. Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. Friends, can I tell you, he knows all things. He knows what you've done. He knows what he's called you to. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Wherever you are tonight, maybe you're in the middle of your failure, maybe you're beyond it, whatever it is. Friends, I wanna encourage you always run to Jesus. And as you run to Jesus, you need to understand what that looks like because Jesus has called you to be a part of a global body called the church. And it is the opposite of isolation. And it's not just a Sunday morning meeting. It's not, friends. And that's why we at Church for All Nations, we are a church of small groups because we believe that your safety, your accountability, your healing, your deliverance, all the power that God has for you and intended for you, we believe that that comes through relationship, not only with relationship with him, but relationship with others and that you can't do it on your own. And you know what isolation really is? arrogance and I'm just confessing because I prefer isolation I do isolation is truly believing that not only are you supposed to do it on your own but you can and so I need for you to understand I need for you to remember Judas I need for you to remember that he ran from Jesus into isolation. But I need for you to remember Peter because Peter ran to Jesus. He ran to community. And in that, his assignment never changed. And his influence only grew. And so I wanna go back to that same passage. Remember Judas, remember Peter. And the last point as the band comes back. Remember Matthias. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Who's Matthias? We haven't even gotten to him yet. Remember in that passage where Peter is unpacking the story of Judas and why there's even a necessity for another to be named in this leadership group. He mentioned that there were qualifications. Do you remember what they were? There were qualifications that this had to be a person that had been here from the very beginning with them, with them from the very beginning when John baptized Jesus all the way till now. And that's why when I think of Matthias, I want you to think this. Matthias ran with Jesus. And maybe out 
in the margins somewhere, you want to put the word faithfulness. Because when I think about Matthias, that is the term that comes to mind. Because I want you to understand this, friends. Matthias had not been named one of the 12. He didn't have a coveted position. He was just there. He was just showing up. But not just one time. He was there every single day. What? Faithful. Just showing up. Just showing up. Oh, but you're not one of the 12. Doesn't matter. I want Jesus. I want whatever he has for me. I want exactly what he, maybe, you know what? Maybe Jesus needs this today. I don't care. I'll do any of it. I just want Jesus. I just want to be there. Yeah, but you're not, it doesn't matter. I just, I just want him. And look at what scripture says. As they went, they had two nominees, okay? And scripture says, Acts 23, or Acts 1, verse 23. So they nominated two men. There was Joseph, but they mostly called him, look at this, Justice. Okay, he was also known as Justice and Matthias. So there's these two guys. There's Justice, Joseph or Justice, right? Or Matthias. And they prayed, verse 24, Lord, you know everyone's what? Heart. So Lord, we know they both were here the whole time. They were both faithful, but God, you know why. You've got Matthias, help me. Thank you. Matthias and Joseph called justice. Scripture says they nominated two men. Joseph called Justice and Matthias. In verse 24, then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Ooh, Peter's got a little judgment in there. Come on. Okay. Then they cast lots. And I have to stop there because I've heard people preach about how it was the same as gambling. Friends, everything that I've read about casting lots was that it was a meticulous way in that culture, in that time, for them to truly hear the voice of God concerning a decision. So please don't take that lightly and don't don't let it be manipulated into a weird way of, oh man, they didn't really care. They just kind of, no, 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 God was in it. He was in it. And I want you to see this because it says they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. So there's two men. They were both super faithful. They were both totally there the entire time. And the lot fell to Matthias. God said, it's him. I know their hearts, and that's the one. That's the one that's going to take Judas' place. And it says, so he was added to the 11 apostles. And friends, I want you to see this because there's so much power here. Because some of you are in a season of life where you feel like you are just going through the motions. 
Some of you are in a season of life where you don't understand why God hasn't given you that position that you see in your heart. You are in a season of life where you don't understand what the training looks like. You don't understand, Lord, why? I feel like I'm just showing up. And he said, whoa, 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 don't don't despise the just showing up. Because you got to understand, friends, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, faith, but, but faith is totally different. No, no, I want you to look at your notes. Because I want you to understand Hebrews eleven six. without faith is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him, not who ask one time and walk away. He rewards those who just show up tomorrow morning. Yeah, but I don't know that I feel him just showing up just in his word, just in his presence, just asking him, Lord, I I don't even care if you put some sort of title on me. No, 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 Lord, I just want to be in your presence. Lord, I just want to know more about you. God, I just want to, I want to seek you. And scripture says, we don't like this because this, we feel like it conflicts with grace, but this is grace. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who are willing to just show up day after day and just be in his presence, wanting him more than a position, wanting passion, passion for him and his presence more than you would ever desire a position. And he says, I love that. You know what? In fact, you don't, here's the issue. Scripture talks about, I don't even know if you have faith unless you're doing that. And here's how I want you to think about it. It's your next blank. What if we started to understand that being faithful really is being faith-filled? You do understand that's where that term even comes from. Because what you put in your life as a daily habit shows what you have faith in what you're willing to show up and do, what you put your time into, what you put your money into, shows exactly where your faith is, friends. And this is why I need for you to understand this and to see it, because you do have purpose, because you do have an assignment, but there are seasons in assignments that require training. And how many of you know that those Olympians didn't get there by just showing up at the Olympics? Just showing up, just being faithful. That's really being faith-filled, being faithful. And then allow God to position you in His timing where he desires because your heart's just been for him the whole time exactly like matthias and i want to show you this and i'm going to close with this yeah pastor ashley this is a little bit far-fetching i need for you to understand that when you're willing to just be passionate about who god is and what he has for you When you're willing to seek Him above anything else, even when life doesn't look the way you thought, when you are willing to earnestly seek Him diligently, as Scripture says, 
Most of us don't have a clue what it is to be diligent. I'm just being honest. Everything in our society is so easy. And that's a blessing except for it's a curse. Because we don't have a clue what it is to actually put a seed in the ground and water it every day. We don't understand that. We don't have a concept of that. And then wait, when you see a sprout, you don't get to pull it up the second you see it. You got to wait until the, oh, you need the sun. And then you, need, you still need to fertilize. You got to get those weeds out. You, we don't have a clue what it is to be diligent. And he said, I, I want you to diligently seek me. When you don't understand what I'm doing, when you don't understand why your life looks the way it does, when you don't understand why you haven't been put into this whatever, I just need you to seek me. Me, not the position, just me. And when we are willing to do that, friends, God's timing, what God desires to do, will supersede anything man could even justify or imagine. And let me show you this. The Lord showed me this, and I, I literally did a dance around my little dining room. Just so excited. The two men, the two men, and the Lord showed me. He, he's like highlighting the names, and I'm like, Lord, I don't understand. And he's like, well, hello. It was noted that they called him Justice. Look it up. What does it mean? The name Justice, the other guy that was nominated with Matthias, the other guy that had been there just as much as Matthias, the actual definition of his name, look with me. It means just. It means proper. It means right. Just, proper, right. Meaning he was the right fit. He was it. He was everything everybody expected. He was the one, of course he would be. That's it. He's the guy, the guy everyone would assume. And yet, the guy that God chose because he looks where? The heart. Because he knows why we do what we do. The guy that God chose, his name was Matthias. Do you know what Matthias means? Gift of God. Friends, He has gifts for you. He has power for you. He has assignment for you. He has purpose for you. He has so many things for you that you can't possibly fathom. But He needs for your heart to diligently seek Him. For your heart to be after Him. For your heart to be so focused on Him. I was talking to the circle leaders at the beginning and I told them how bizarre it felt to me to end the series on this. But you see, friends, the Holy Spirit brought, even, even today, he, I asked Amber, I went and said, hey, I don't have it in the slides, but go print out 1 Corinthians 13 for me. Because the Holy Spirit literally brought to my mind. You know, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We've been talking about His power. But 1 Corinthians says, you know what? If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I don't have love, then I'm only a resounding gong. I'm a, I'm a clanging cymbal. 
What does that mean? Friends, you can flow in the gift of tongues, but if you don't understand the love that He has for you and the love that you're to have with one another, doing life in community, arms locked with each other, being accountable, making sure that you don't get isolated, then your gifts mean nothing. They might as well be on that drum kit, right? Playing out of key, not the amazing way Trevor plays, right? If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't love, I'm nothing. It's not worth anything, friends. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So tonight, friends, here's what I need for you. I need for you to somehow get a brand new revelation of God's love for you. I want you to get a revelation of His love for you and how He desires for you to love each other for how He desires for you to protect each other, how He desires that these gifts, all of the gifts are for you and each other, that it's not just for you. Woo, look at me, I'm speaking. No, 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 it's for each other. Because friends, if we don't get that, it's not worth anything. His words, not mine. Lord, you know exactly what every single woman is walking through. You knew exactly who you would place in her group, leading her group, who she would sit by. Lord, the weeks that she was able to make it and not. Father, I ask right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord, that a new, fresh revelation of your power and your love would rest on the heads of every woman, on the hearts of every woman, in the lives of every woman. Lord, that you would make so clear, not the details of her purpose, but the power in her purpose. Not the details and the notes of understanding exactly how it's, what's the fun in that? Lord, why would we have to trust you in that? Why would we need faith in you in that? Lord, that you would help us to understand the power that you have placed inside of us, the power that you desire to flow out of us, and Lord, that you would give us the power of faithfulness. Lord, those of us that are literally feeling like we're just showing up, Lord, I'm here again. He says, no, 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 I, I reward that. That shows me where your faith is and there's power and there's training. Don't despise it. Begin to just make sure that your heart is always on Him. Lord, we thank you for these six weeks we've had together. Lord, I thank you for every group. I thank you for every woman. Lord, I ask that you would not allow anyone to leave isolated in any way. And any attack of the enemy that would come against any woman, in Jesus' name, we know it's going to prosper. We know it's not going to prosper, Lord. And we ask, God, that no part of it would prosper. 
Lord, that even the initial attack would be blocked by the power of your Holy Spirit and the unity of community. Lord, that you would prompt us, you would prompt us in the next few months, Lord, and that we would keep that connection fresh, that we would keep it new, that we would keep it going, Lord, because we would begin to understand the power in what you've called us to. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for who you are and how perfectly you love us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Yes. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church. 